2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is a Man of God Network, a podcast of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary in Owensboro, Kentucky. This is the voice of the narrated Puritan. For more narrations, go to puritanaudiobooks.com. I have in my hand the American Baptist Magazine, this time from the year 1833. The last time we looked at this magazine, it was from 1817. So before we begin looking at the beginning of Baptist foreign missions, it may be worthwhile to listen to the preface about how this magazine had changed from 1817 to 1833. It gives us great pleasure to inform our readers that we have reason to hope a new era is now to commence in the history of the American Baptist magazine. In pursuance of an arrangement which has been matured by the Board of Missions, the work will contain an average of 40 pages monthly throughout the year. This work was originally established by the Reverend Dr. Baldwin in the year 1803. At the commencement of 1817, when our foreign missions began to assume an interesting aspect, the title was modified and the magazine became the property of the Baptist General Convention and their medium of communication to the world. Although the multiplication of weekly religious journals has militated in some degree against it, yet we are happy to say strong feelings still exist in its favor. Indeed, its character is the official organ of the board, the prime treasure house and chief fountain of all intelligence from our missions, renders it worthy of continued and increased patronage. Our missionary operations are every year growing more extensive and interesting. God has been pleased to arouse among us a missionary feeling which calls for nutriment, a missionary appetite which must have food adapted to its cravings. In some of the states, particularly, we rejoice to know the disposition that is felt to honor God, and in the words of the prophet to give him no rest till he establish and until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Such a spirit the board or desirous of fostering and extending, such an appetite they esteem it both a duty and a pleasure to satisfy. Such missionary feeling they wish to kindle up in every city, village and hamlet of America, and indirectly to every corner of the earth to which their influence can extend. This is the design they have in view in augmenting the size of this or official pamphlet, and in expending upon it all the labor which such a publication demands. Conscious that it is among the prominent means of promoting zeal for missions in our own denomination, and of advancing what we believe to be the cause of God, they cheerfully committed to the churches and pastors throughout our land. The value of the articles not strictly missionary we hope greatly to enhance. In nature they will be as formally biography, essay, review, and poetry. We wish, however, to say that more attention will be paid to the review department because the present encouraging state of our denomination seems to demand it. As this magazine is our standard, bind-worthy periodical, we deem it a duty also to redeem from oblivion the memory of holy men who have gone before to inherit the promises. Their bright example ought to be held up for our imitation and their loveliness made known to the public as a tribute to the honor of the Redeemer. Before closing this preface, it is proper 
proper to say that the editor, or rather the denomination, look for the efficient aid of individuals qualified to interest and move the mass of mankind to which this magazine may come. We need useful statistical information, exciting facts and appeals to men's natures from which there shall be no escape. Tameness is a bane of any publication, above all of one whose sole design is to make the community act. With these remarks and these appeals, this new volume of the magazine is sent forth to its work, January 1st, 1833, Boston, Massachusetts, The Editor. January 1833, Volume 13, Number 1, View of the American Baptist Board and its Missions, Origin of the Board. In the month of February, 1812, five young men who had formerly been fellow students at Andover sailed from this country to commence a foreign mission under the patronage of American Christians. It was owing to their urgent solicitations and moving appeals that the churches were aroused and the first board of missions constituted. They sailed for Calcutta, and as they were the earliest missionaries from this land, they would of course hasten at once to Serampore to obtain the sympathies and advice of the venerable men who had so long been laboring in the field. Mr. Adoniram Judson, who was one of the company, reflected during the voyage that the Serampore brethren were Baptists, and supposed very naturally that he might be called while sharing their hospitalities to defend the Pado-Baptist's opinions which he professed. Such anticipations led him to a careful re-examination of the grounds of his faith, and eventually to a thorough change in his views. After a very serious and reluctant struggle, Mrs. Judson was compelled by a consciousness of right and the clear demonstrations of the New Testament to join her husband. Accordingly, they were both baptized and admitted to the church at Calcutta, September 6, 1812. Luther Rice, who had sailed in another ship and arrived somewhat later, was a subject without the slightest concert of a similar change of feelings and was baptized in November. This event led naturally to a dissolution of the connection of Misters Judson and Rice with the ABCFM and threw them upon their own resources or the event of some new arrangements at home. A spirit of opposition to their enterprise which manifested itself at Calcutta and a peremptory refusal of the East India Company to suffer their continuance within their dominions led the missionaries to embark for the Isle of France. Well, at this place, Messrs. Judson and Rice thought it expedient that the latter should return at once to this country and endeavor to awaken a spirit of missions among the Baptist churches. He accordingly sailed in March of 1813 and was welcomed on his arrival in the United States with great cordiality and affection. He was soon instrumental in awakening an extensive missionary feeling, and a large number of missionary societies were originated in various parts of the country, and in April of 1814, the Baptist General Convention was formed in Philadelphia. Name and Constitution of the Board In the charter of the convention, it is styled the General Convention of the Baptist Denomination in the United States for foreign missions and other important objects relating to the Redeemer's Kingdom. 
It holds its session once in three years. It places designated at each triennial meeting. It is composed of delegates from missionary societies, associations, and other religious bodies, and of individuals of the Baptist denomination which annually contribute to the funds under the direction of the board, a sum amounting to at least $100. For every additional $100, one additional representative and vote is allowed. The executive business is performed by a board consisting of a president, eight vice presidents, a corresponding and recording secretaries, a treasurer, and an assistant treasurer, and 40 managers. Besides a triennial meeting, the board of managers also hold an annual meeting for mutual advice and cooperation in advancing the objects of the convention, and a monthly meeting at the missionary rooms in Boston for the transaction of business whose calls cannot, in justice to the cause of Christ, in the interests of mankind, be delayed. Eleven constitute a quorum for the transaction of business at the annual meetings, five of those of intermediate occurrence. Publications of the Board The American Baptist Magazine is the official organ of the Board. It is entirely under their direction and promulgates to the world whatever of interest is transmitted to this country from all its missionary stations. The Memoir of Ann Judson, including a history of the American Baptist Mission in the Burman Empire, is also the property of the board, and the profits of its sale are devoted to missions. Many thousands of copies have already been circulated, which have not only aided the pecuniary concerns of the convention, but have also kindled a spirit which in its influence will be of incalculable benefit to the cause of missions. Operations of the Board Burma the will of providence was perhaps never more distinctly intelligible than in the circumstances which led to the establishment of the American Baptist Mission in the Burman Empire. Adoniram Judson received no encouragement in respect to the station from his friends at Serampore. The ground had already been tried, but such were the obstructions resulting from a barbarous nation of idolaters, a despotic government religion and a native would be visited with death, and a language of difficult acquisition that all former attempts had failed, the missionaries, few in number, who had been deputed by the Serampore brethren to go there, had left in discouragement and gone to other fields. Not a native had listened to the word of eternal life. Of the good seed of the kingdom, none had been sown. But amid hazard and discouragement, Mr. Judson resolved in the name of God there to set up the Christian banners. Rangoon Mr. Judson arrived at Rangoon in July of 1813. On his arrival, he found a mission house formerly occupied by Mr. Felix Carey, which now became his home. Mr. Carey soon left the station for an office under government, and thus the mission was abandoned into the hands of the American Baptist Board. In October of 1816, Mr. and Mrs. Howe joined the mission family at Rangoon, having left the United States the preceding December. In March of 1817, four years after the commencement of the mission, the first inquirer presented himself to Mr. Judson. His appearance and manners excited high hopes, and at the close of his first visit, the mission family felt that there was reason to thank God and take courage. In September 1818, Mr. Coleman and Wheelock, who had sailed from Boston in November of 1817, were added to the mission family at Rangoon. 
Adoniram Judson had already completed the translation of the gospel by Matthew, and a Zayat was built for religious worship where he sat from day to day to converse with all who came on the things of the kingdom. The Zayat was erected on a road lined on both sides with pagodas, and hence called Pagoda Road. On the 27th of June, 1819, the first baptism occurred in the Burman Empire. Mong Nao, the subject of it, gave a most satisfactory and interesting account of his mental exercises and was admitted with an unspeakable joyful welcome to baptism in the church. The first baptism seemed like the first fruits of a revival. The number of inquirers began to multiply, and at some meetings, especially of the females, the Holy Spirit was evidently present. On the 7th of November following, two more converts were baptized. Individuals of rank and eminence were becoming zealous inquirers, and the holiest anticipations of the missionaries seemed on the point of being realized. But such was their success that the fame of their operations could not be kept from the ears of the emperor. Fearing the worst temporal consequences, praying for divine guidance, and pursuing what seemed to be the only course expedient, Misters Judson and Coleman left Rangoon for Ava, the capital of the country, to seek the imperial favor and toleration and safety for the baptized Burmans. Their petition, however, was disregarded. Their hopes were blighted, and they returned to tell the sad tidings to their converts. They had previously arranged that Mr. Coleman would go to Chittagong, a place under British protection, so that in case of the worst, all the missionaries might find there an asylum from persecution. They expected when they disclosed their ill success to the disciples, they would be filled with apprehensions and perhaps be ready to renounce their Christian profession. But on the contrary, they remained steadfast in the faith and seemed willing that the will of the Lord should be done. Only stay with us, they exclaimed, till there are ten converts, then one can teach the rest and the emperor will not be able to destroy the new religion and shortly went to Chittagong. Mr. Wheelock, whose health soon fell, died on a passage to Bengal, whither he was going for medical aid. Mr. Howe was at Serampore, superintending the printing of a Burman tract. And Judson's health had become so impaired that a voyage to Calcutta became indispensable. And so feeble was she before the time for her departure arrived, Mr. Judson felt it necessary that he should accompany her. Thus a station must be left a while without a missionary, the dependent sheep led by no earthly shepherd. But through the tender mercy of God, before the ship could get away, seven more Burmans gave satisfactory evidence of a change of heart and applied for baptism. They were accepted by the church and added to the little band of believers, so that the proposed ten was now filled. While at Calcutta, Mrs. Judson's health gradually recovered, and she returned to Rangoon with her husband in January of 1821. Soon after their return, another convert was baptized, Moon Ng, who is now a native pastor. During his absence of the missionaries, he had been endeavoring to spread among his friends the knowledge of a crucified Savior. In November of 1821, Dr. Price with his family arrived to join the mission. 
Just as he landed, Mrs. Judson, in consequence of returning illness, was forced to leave all the endearments of that land of her affections and return to America. She spent the winter at Baltimore, where she prepared for the press a history of the Burman mission, and so far recovered her health that she was able to return to Rangoon the following summer. After being instrumental in thus enlisting many affections in the Burman mission, both at home and in England, she sailed again for India. She was accompanied in her return by Mr. and Mrs. Wade, who were appointed to join the station at Rangoon. They sailed from Boston in June and arrived at Calcutta on October 19th, soon after which they sailed for their final destination. As the history of the station at Ava forms a kind of episode in the history of that at Rangoon, this seems to be the fittest place for its introduction. Soon after the arrival of Dr. Price, intelligence of his medical skill was conveyed to the capital. He was immediately summoned to wait on the emperor, hoping that a favorable opportunity might now open for the introduction of the gospel into the heart of the realm. Mr. Judson resolved to accompany the doctor. Government boats were furnished at the public expense, and they were received to build himself a house on terms of familiarity with the public officers and the enjoyment of perfect toleration. Until the country was thrown into a state of commotion, he was able indirectly to advance the objects of his mission. His medical skill rendered him an object of favor and respect, and it was fondly hoped that in this golden city, the grand point of attraction to the Burman Empire, the Church of Christ was about to be established on a basis which could not be shaken. But events were destined soon to occur which nipped the hopes of Christians in the bud. The war between the British and Burmese governments rendered the missionaries objects of suspicion and ill will. Because their language is the same, and their pecuniary affairs were transacted through British agents, they were imagined to be spies for England. As the armies of the East India Company advanced from town to town, Mr. Judson and Price were seized and imprisoned and treated with the utmost severity. For a year and seven months they were held in confinement, often driven by savage persecutors from prison to prison, immured in the death prison and saved only by the interposition of a friendly governor and the constant intercessions of Mrs. Judson from a violent death. Impelled by fear of the British arms, the Burmans at last delivered them. Missionary efforts throughout the country were suspended for a long and gloomy period. And if the God of missions were not the wise and glorious governor of the universe, accomplishing his own purposes in the most mysterious ways, this might have seemed the death blow of our efforts in that region. After the war, Dr. Price remained at Ava. Here he had under his instruction the sons of some of the highest officers of government. His journals narrate several interesting conversations with the young princes. He lectured them on various branches of natural philosophy and intermingled and deduced arguments and reasons for the religion of the Bible. But in the midst of his usefulness, God saw fit to take him from the service of earth, the purer and holier services of heaven. He died near Ava in February of 1828. The station has never been resumed. At the commencement of the war, Messrs. Wade and Howe, the only missionaries at Rangoon, were ordered to execution, and their lives were saved only by the cowardice of their Burman oppressors. When they were liberated by the advance of the British Army, they sailed immediately for Calcutta to await the course of events. 
During this interval in their work, Mr. Wade superintended the printing of a Burman dictionary prepared chiefly by Mr. Judson and thus accomplished an invaluable service for future missionaries. After an absence of two years and three months, the missionaries returned to Rangoon. Some of the disciples were dead, and some no news could be obtained. A few were anxiously waiting to know the plans of their spiritual leaders, designing wherever they should go to go with them. None, it is believed, had apostatized from the steadfastness of their faith. In consequence of the arrangements of the British government, it was thought proper for a while to leave the station at Rangoon and establish one at Amherst in its stead, to which a large proportion of the population had removed. It was supposed this town would become the capital of the company's possessions gained by the war. Schools were here established, which began to give much encouragement, especially the school for girls under the care of Mrs. Wade. But the British garrison was eventually removed to Maulmain, and the town of Amherst suffered to decay. The population gradually retired, and finally the missionaries also, regretting the change most of all because it removed them from the place where rest the ashes of Mrs. Judson, and from which in October of 1826 her spirit ascended to the Redeemer. Mong Tao, a native convert, commenced preaching at Rangoon after the war, and several persons were converted. The missionaries at Maumain were so well satisfied with his character and qualifications that they ordained him in January of 1829 pastor of the Rangoon Native Church. His success has been very pleasing. During the year 1831, seven new converts were baptized and the state of religion became more interesting. On the arrival of Mr. J.T. Jones in February of 1831, the station was again taken under the charge of our missionaries and the native preachers labored under their direction. Or Mr. Judson for a considerable time supplied the station and gave away daily a large amount of Bible tracts which have carried an influence over the whole length and breadth of the country. Mr. Kincaid is now the permanent resident. The present number of the church is 31. Maulmain. When the town of Amherst was abandoned, the British soldiers and a large number of natives were moved to this place. Mr. and Mrs. Boardman, who had sailed from America in July of 1825, established themselves here in the summer of 1827 and remained for a while alone. Several persons listened with attention and a flourishing school was commenced for boys. The school for girls at Amherst had excited so much interest that 11 of them, more than half, removed thence to Maine. Among the members of the school was Mech Shawi, whose memoir has been published in this country and deserves a place among the most precious of our monuments of juvenile piety. As Maumain is the station of the British soldiery, it has become also the most prominent point of the operations of the mission. It is marked in missionary history as a heathen town which has been blessed with a revival of religion. The female school has been particularly distinguished, and a number of the scholars have been baptized. 
the whole number of baptisms from January 1828 to March of 1830 was 62. During the year 1831, 136 persons were baptized at this station. The revival at Maulmain was largely shared by the British soldiers. They presented so interesting a field of labor that Mr. Kincaid, on his arrival in November of 1830, assumed the task of preaching to them and afterwards became the pastor of the church in the army. It was thought expedient to make this band of believers a separate church from the native converts. Malmain is the seat of the printing establishment where Messrs. Bennett and Cutter assiduously labor to prepare tracts and portions of scripture for distribution. Four presses are now at work and a third printer, Mr. Hancock, has probably arrived. Tavoy in the Karims. By recommendation of the board and the advice of the brethren at Maulmain, Mr. and Mrs. Boardman commenced a station at Tavoy in April of 1828. He was accompanied by two native Christians, of whom one was a Karin, approved by the church but not baptized until his arrival at Tavoy. He had no sooner arrived than information was brought him of the Karens, a race of people who reside at some distance from Tavoy. He was assured that they would embrace the Christian religion and invited to visit them. Their language differs from the Burman. In some of their characteristics, they resemble the North American Indians. The Karens have now become the chief attraction at Tavoy. When Mr. Boardman visited them, he found them an exceedingly honest and devout people. Moving on in this magazine, to the view of the American Baptist Board and its missions, there are the following reports. The African Mission in Liberia, this mission properly commenced with the uncommon zeal and liberality in the cause of missions, which manifested itself in the Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia. Next, there is a report of the Indian missions. There is less of absorbing interest and romantic narrative in the history of these missions than in the history of the Burman stations, yet the board have by no means overlooked their obligations to the Indian tribes who were once lords of the soil. Next, there is an update on the William Carey Station. When Mr. McCoy received his appointment in 1817, he commenced his labors among the tribes in his neighborhood, the Miamis and the Kickapoos. Here, his success was very small. He baptized but one individual and collected only nine or ten scholars in his Indian school. Next, there is also a report of the missionary in efforts in Michigan of the Ottawa Indians. Several Ottawa Indians who had become acquainted with the state of things at Cary expressed great anxiety to have a missionary in instruction in religion and the mechanic arts. No missionary could be sent but a blacksmith, an Indian apprentice, and two hired men whose influence might be beneficial went to reside among them. In the winter of 1823, Mr. McCoy set off to visit them. Thomas is in the state of Michigan, more than a 100 miles distant from Cary. In September of 1825, Mr. McCoy made a second visit to Thomas. He was received with the greatest cordiality and urged to establish a mission in schools. About a year later, he took up his residence there for several months. A church has been organized, which was admitted in October of 1832 into the Michigan Baptist Association. 
Next, there is a report of the work among the Indians in North Carolina. In the year 1818, Mr. Posey traveled through a part of the Cherokee Nation in North Carolina and established a few schools. But owing to various discouragements, they were discontinued at the close of the first quarter. After their failure, he traveled extensively among the Indians in Missouri. Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. This station in Michigan territory is under the superintendence of the Reverend Abel Bingham, who arrived with his family in October of 1828. He immediately commenced a school with 50 scholars and established preaching on the Sabbath to the neighboring whites and through an interpreter to the Indians. Missionary Efforts of the Baptists Among the Arkansas Cherokees The mission at Hickory Log was formerly under the superintendence of the Reverend Duncan O'Brien. He divided his labors between the schools here and at Tinsawatee, about 60 miles distant from the valley towns. The church at the latter place numbered about 30. The school at Hickory Log contained also from 20 to 30 scholars, and both have been marked by an encouraging attention to religion. The Arkansas Creeks. In October of 1823, Reverend Lee Compere founded a mission at Withington among the Creeks on the borders of Georgia and Alabama. He established a school and one of his scholars, John Davis, became hopefully pious. And finally, there are reports of the Shawnee, Michigan in Missouri, Tonawanda, New York, among the Seneca and other Indians, missionary endeavors in France, very glowing representations of the condition of France having been made to the board, they came to the decision that they might advantageously attempt something for the cause of religion in that country. Finally, closing out this magazine, a couple of paragraphs, future efforts. The increasing amount of missionary exertion will increase the amount of expense. The addition during the last year of 26 laborers to the different fields has drawn largely on the treasury, and their future support will, of course, require an augmentation of liberality on the part of the churches duty of the Baptist denomination. In view of these facts, two things are required of us. One, a spirit of self-denial. This must exhibit itself in a willingness to contribute to the extent of our means for the sustenation of the cause. Let us not give the trifles which we shall not feel, but let us offer to the Lord an oblation worthy of our gratitude as Christians and worthy of our professions as pity in the souls of men also among our churches who must offer themselves to God. A band of 4,000 missionaries would be far more worthy of our 4,000 churches than the little company who now bear the heat and burden of the day. Let ministers seek out in their churches and encourage suitable missionaries. Let not parents and friends kill their ardent feelings and quench their missionary spirit. Send them if they will go. Resign them to the work to which their Heavenly Father has called them and in which you feel so high an interest. And let the young men break away from the endearments of home and native soil. Resist the obstructions in their way and enter on the apostolic work of saving souls. Number two, the church must cultivate a spirit of prayer. 
This and the spirit of missions have a reciprocal influence. Pray much for the heathen and a missionary spirit wakes up, of course. We cannot look for the conversion of the world until there is more of a fervent piety, more of deep absorbing devotion, more love of communion with heaven among us. We must return to primitive piety and then we shall have primitive success. Prayer must become the very atmosphere breathed by the church and holiness must be stamped upon the lines of every countenance. Arise, O Lord, into your rest, thou and the ark of thy strength, end quote. Thank you for tuning in to the Man of God podcast, Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, Owensboro, Kentucky. This is the voice of the narrated Puritan, puritanaudiobooks.com.